Hi, and welcome to the Palliators Podcast. I'm your host, fellowship-trained hospice and palliative medicine physician, Dr. Tara Kateen. This podcast is for healthcare professionals who want to become more comfortable and more confident in caring for their chronically ill and terminally ill patients. With the help of the physicians who trained with me, we hope to provide education and to promote palliative care one podcast at a time. We're so glad to have you here. Hey, everybody. We are back. We've missed you. I hope you've missed us. We've been off for a while to get ramped up and ready for the Hospice and Palliative Medicine board exam. I wish I could say that it was a piece of cake, but that's not how it goes. I have felt somewhat comforted by others feeling that this test in no way reflected the work that we do day in and day out. It also was not a reflection of the months upon months of studying, the board review courses, and it wasn't a reflection of the multitude of practice questions completed. To quote a person in one of my Facebook groups, it was demoralizing. Now I'm cynical about the whole process. Maybe they just want to keep the Barreras and the Sinclairs and the Hueys from getting 100% of the questions correct, so they make it ridiculous for the rest of us. And of course, there's all the money that gets spent on the process, not to mention the total exhaustion from working, studying, and managing the rest of life as well. I think I just hit on the top characteristics of burnout, demoralization, exhaustion, and cynicism or depersonalization. Have I been feeling burned out, or as we say in the South, burnt out? In a word, yes. So that's the lead-in for today's podcast topic, burnout. I'm just going to start by admitting up front that I prepared this podcast a few weeks ago, but I couldn't really bring myself to edit it and publish it and do everything that comes with it. I think I just needed more time to recover from all that went into my taking the board exam and needed to lay low for a bit. So if I'm the canary in the coal mine, not only do I not want to die, I want to chirp and sing my little heart out. I want that for all of you too. One of the things in hospice and palliative medicine that we try to do for our patients and families is to help them live their best lives. And we need to do that for ourselves too. In preparing for this topic, as usual, I looked at a gazillion articles and looked in the series formerly known as the Unipax. Some refer to burnout as stress overload. I like that simple description. That description easily lets me think that it's not just a work phenomenon, and it can also apply to personal life. However, most journal articles only refer to it as an occupational issue. Burnout syndrome was originally described by Herbert Freudenberger and Sigmund Ginsberg in the 1970s. Freudenberger was a psychologist who continued to study the syndrome and continued to publish articles and books on the topic. He's considered the founder of the concept. He described it as becoming exhausted by making excessive demands on energy, strength, or resources. Many symptoms have been associated with burnout, and they usually are related to three domains, emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and low personal achievement. Recently, the New England Journal published a perspective article called 
Physician Burnout Interrupted by Hartsband and Groupman. They point out that it was once thought to be a problem of older physicians dealing with the new technologies like the EMR. But truly, the ones most affected are the younger physicians who are in training or are in their early practice years. It also affects medical students. In this paper, they point out that the problem is costing the healthcare system approximately, get ready, $4.6 billion per year. It affects about half of physicians in practice. It's associated with more medical errors, higher medical costs, diminished sense of empathy for patients, and lower quality of care with worse outcomes. Interestingly, burnout is actually an international issue. Many of the articles that I looked at were describing the problem all over the world. The World Health Organization has published statements on the subject and is committed to developing evidence-based guidelines. They refer to burnout as a syndrome related to chronic workplace or occupational stress that has not been successfully managed. In describing symptoms of burnout, many find that there may be an overlap between depression and burnout and PTSD and burnout. As you might have guessed, there are tools for that. It's important to be able to appropriately treat the correct illness. As there are instruments for helping to diagnose depression and PTSD, the same goes for burnout. The Maslach Burnout Inventory, affectionately called the MBI, is the usual tool used and it's considered the gold standard. And there are other tools that may also do the job. The MBI was developed by Christina Maslach and her colleagues at the University of San Francisco in the 1970s. She described burnout as an erosion of the soul caused by a deterioration of one's values, dignity, spirit, and will. Though I hadn't heard the specific descriptor before researching for this podcast, I'm kind of fond of it now. So let's talk about common symptoms of the big, bad burnout. They're often related to emotional or mental exhaustion. Typical symptoms include fatigue, depression, frustration, anger, frequent headaches, GI disorders, insomnia, and bruxism. Commonly, there's a feeling of lack of accomplishment or inefficacy meaning we doubt our abilities or the meaning or the quality of our work. We wonder if we're doing any good at all with what we're doing. There's depersonalization, where we may become cynical and sarcastic. Some refer to this as compassion fatigue. It's as though we become robotic and we're no longer having that human connection with our patients or our colleagues. Funny how our education and training have contributed to this. We just keep going in spite of being sick or being sleepless. We don't want to burden our friends and colleagues to have to cover for us. And we don't want to feel like we're leaving our patients high and dry. I went to medical school and residency about 100 years ago, long before the ACGME started implementing limitations on continuous hours and days worked. These changes were implemented in 2003 and have been shown to be somewhat effective in helping those in training so things look to be headed in a better direction. Still, we're encouraged to just keep going and going like an Energizer bunny. 
the increasing regulatory compliance issues don't seem to really be aimed at truly helping patient care and result in endless notifications, checkoff lists in the EMR, meaningful use that's not really useful, continuing documentation into the night long after we've left work, and doing more with less and in a shorter time frame all while having to live in the real world of caring for our personal life and, of course, bills and continuing education requirements. It all contributes to the problem. Loss of autonomy, poor management, long work hours, high amounts of student debt, lack of institutional and interpersonal support, social isolation, and poor work-life balance. They're all typical contributors. Of course, our own personalities play into this too. It seems that those of us who are called to health care as a profession may already be at particular risk for this problem. We work till the work is done. We're in the mode of putting others first. There are other traits that may contribute too, like high levels of neuroticism, which to me means having a tendency towards anxiety, worry, self-doubt, frustration, and guilt. Introversion, Low agreeableness and having a negative affect may all contribute. And the younger, more social, compassionate, and empathetic personalities may be at risk too. So how do we fix this? It appears the jury is still out. Our work environment needs to be changed. Less stress, shorter hours, lower workload, a good boss, and good work-life balance. For critical care specialists, because they experience burnout in significant numbers, it's been suggested that improving the work atmosphere, including practical communication training, team-based interventions focusing on team debriefings, structured communication tools, implementing relaxation techniques, mindfulness, exercising, and resting well, unsurprisingly, have been helpful. Also, palliative care consultations and ethics consultations establishing goals of care for each patient and family counseling conferences within 72 hours of an ICU admission, those also can alleviate burnout. Some studies suggest that coaching, cognitive behavioral therapy, meditation, and mindfulness exercises can reduce our stress. I recently started using a meditation app provided by the AMA, and I think it's been helpful. Some studies show that training on good communication techniques can also be useful. Finding support in others and not isolating ourselves is a good way to debrief and get help. One phrase that I came across a lot is, connection is protection. That phrase was even incorporated into the title of one of the articles I read. Many articles and institutions will tell you that resilience is the answer to how to prevent burnout, and it is inversely related to burnout. Resilience is our ability to bounce back from adversity. You know, I think that if we made it through college, medical school, and residency, we already have a substantial amount of resiliency. Cognitive behavioral therapy, meditation, coaching, yoga, and mindfulness may all help our resilience. And that's great. 
the problem that I find with that is that it lets the workplace and the regulators of healthcare off the hook for their responsibilities in, in helping to reduce burnout and leaves the healthcare worker on the hook for fixing the issue. Correcting the problem is in their best interest, too, since burnout creates an unhealthy situation for healthcare providers. We need to be healthy if we're going to manage the health of others. As they say when the airplane is taking off, you know, be sure to put the oxygen on yourself first before placing it on others. You know, seriously, how can we be present in helping others if we are burned out? The very culture of healthcare contributing to burnout increases the chance of medical error, bad outcomes, and lower patient satisfaction. Most physicians carry tremendous guilt over bad outcomes. It's no wonder that there's a higher level of divorce, suicide, and alcohol and drug use in physicians. Some institutions have started wellness initiatives, but many of these are an add-on to the work of the day. So instead of a work day starting at 7, it may start at 6 to have your wellness addressed, but you continue on to your regular work day. So you get an hour less of sleep with the same work issues, or the wellness program is only to be done on personal time without institutional changes to go along with it. So what's supposed to be a wellness initiative may actually just be an add-on to our to-do list in an already highly tasked day, which in turn makes it seem that those in charge just don't get it. I found several articles that referred to doctors as being like canaries in a coal mine. When I went looking for the source of this idea, I found a 2013 Happy MD blog post by Dr. Dyke Drummond. He refers to the American healthcare workplaces as a classic sweatshop environment or the coal mine where we are the canary destined for death. Too many patients to be seen. Multiple systems coming between the patient and the doctor, like the electronic medical record and the insurance preauthorizations. He said we need to stop taking the journey down the mine shaft and create a healthier environment for the people in it. He suggested that our organization should really work on the satisfaction of those who are working. Happy doctors have happier patients. He said to imagine working where systems work to let you care for patients smoothly and effectively, and your leadership has your back and really cares about the quality of your experience as a member of the group. Man, just saying that makes me want to smile. I saw a fantastic 2018 tweet from Dr. Steve Pantelat of UCSF where he quoted someone else. I was unable to find the original author, author of the quote, but it's been attributed to possibly three other physicians, Dr. Jenny Ramsey, Dr. Lucy Kalanithi, or Dr. Stuart Slavin. Gosh, I hope I pronounced those names correctly. Anyway, the quote goes like this. You can teach a canary in a coal mine to meditate, but it still will die. In 2018, JAMA published a charter on physician well-being. It was created by the Collaborative for Healing and Renewal in Medicine. The acronym is CHARM, and it was endorsed by numerous medical associations and societies. This charter takes a systems approach to our well-being. 
It was a way to stop blaming the physician for being burned out. It called for fostering interprofessional teamwork wherein the well-being of all healthcare team members is important, creating opportunities for social connection and shared decision-making, and called for cutting back on administrative tasks, and also called for physician well-being as a quality marker. Let's hope that this charter that was created a little more than two years ago takes flight. Unfortunately, I think that the coronavirus pandemic has clipped its wings. Though it may feel quite daunting, we should contribute to or advocate for organizational change when we can. If we try changing what we're able to change and still feel overwhelmed and exhausted, or if we're at risk for grave ramifications, we should consider taking some time off or consider a change of jobs, or leaving our current situation. If we find ourselves looking for solace by trying to self-prescribe or to self-medicate with drugs or alcohol, or by engaging in addictive habits, we need to find professional help. Similarly, if we are feeling desperate, worthless, hopeless, or suicidal, we must find help immediately. We've thrown the phrase burnout around without much thought in the past, but burnout can have dire consequences. It really does need to be addressed and managed for all of our sakes. It's good for us and our patients. It's good for all of healthcare. Now, for our reflection from author Sam Keen. Burnout is nature's way of telling you, you've been through the motions. Your soul has departed. You're a zombie, a member of the walking dead, a sleepwalker. And that is it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you found this podcast helpful. Please visit our website at thepalliators.com and send us messages if you have suggestions. You'll find reflections and references from our podcast in the show notes on our website too. If you enjoy our podcast, please give us a good rating and review in your podcast app. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, bye for now.